You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 118, I will not be long tonight, famous last words from every Baptist preacher. But uh, Psalm 118 is so rich. I'd love to go through all of the verses. I'd love to go through and uh, go through and dissect each of these truths and these thoughts. Verse 1 will give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, because His mercy endureth forever. God is so good to us. Verse number 8, the Bible reminds us it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. I can say amen to that. It's a whole lot better just to put your trust in the Lord. Don't put your confidence in man. Uh, uh, People will let you down. Earthly friends may prove untrue, but Jesus never fails. Verse number 14. Here's a sermon right in this one verse. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. I'm glad that God is every one of those things to me. He's my strength, he's my song, he's my joy, he's my salvation, he's my victory. Verse number 17, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The psalmist said, I just, I got to tell everybody about how good God has been. I will declare the works of the Lord. Verse number 22 is where I'd like to begin tonight. The stone which the builders refused, is become the headstone of the corner. Now, if that verse sounds familiar, it's because it's quoted in Matthew 21, it's quoted in Mark 12, and it's quoted in Luke 20. It is quoted of Jesus who would be rejected, And Jesus, who would be despised, as a matter of fact, Isaiah 53. Let's turn over there. We've got to look at that here. I had that later in the notes, but we've got to look at it now. Hold your place in Psalm 118. And notice another prophecy concerning Jesus and how he would be rejected and how he would be despised. Verse number 3 of Isaiah 53. He is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse 4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. We see so many prophecies in Isaiah 53 that were all fulfilled in Jesus and his death on the cross. Notice verse number 10. It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. 
When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now would you go back with me to Psalm 118. The stone which the builders rejected, the stone which the builders refused, verse 22, is become the headstone of the corner. Verse 23, this is the Lord's doing. Now hang on. We would look at Jesus being rejected, and we would look at Jesus being despised, and we would look at Jesus being crucified, and we would say, hang on, time out. That's not supposed to happen. That's not the way it's supposed to be. But this prophecy, this verse says in verse 23, this is the Lord's doing. This was God's plan. This was something that God himself orchestrated. Jesus was not crucified by accident. The reason we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it wasn't a, a, a mistake. It wasn't something that was unintentional. It was 100% on purpose. God knew that he would send his son, and he knew that Jesus would be the only sacrifice, the only payment for sins. Verse number 23, this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous. It is wonderful in our eyes. You say, how is it wonderful for us that Jesus was crucified? Because he was the only way that you and I could escape the fire and the flame and the damnation of hell. He was the only way. He wasn't just the best way. He was the only way. He wasn't just plan A. He was plan A to Z. He was the only plan. He was the only way that we could be saved. And then verse 24, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Our Father, I pray that you'd speak to us and give us what we need from this passage of Scripture. Lord, on this Sunday evening as we have observed the Lord's Supper and we have spent time focusing on the blood that was shed and your body that was broken, Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember that this was all a part of your plan. You were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I pray that you'd help us in Jesus' name. Amen. I see number one in this passage, I see the rejection of the cornerstone. Now, a cornerstone in verse number 22, it says the headstone of the corner. We find in the Gospels, it talks about this being the cornerstone. A cornerstone is the stone that lies at the corner where two walls meet. And that stone is, is used to unite the walls. That stone is used as the foundation for the walls. That is the principle. It is the most important. It is the most necessary stone of a building. It's the foundation. Now, we know the parable that Jesus gave of the wise man and the foolish man, right? They both built houses, but the difference was one built his house upon the rock and one built his house on the sand. And they probably looked similar. I kind of think the house on the sand probably looked better. And there may be some people that you know, and boy, their life looks good. And it seems like they've got it all together. And it seems like they're just having the time of their lives. And they might be. But I want to tell you, when the storms come, and when the trials come, 
And when the, the, the winds of life blow and when the, 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 the raging, uh, uh, howling tempest blows, that's when you find out if your house and your life is on the right foundation. Now, you can reject the cornerstone, and many people do. You can reject Jesus, and many people do. But I want to tell you, you'll never make it to heaven if you reject Christ. You'll never find peace and joy and happiness and contentment in your life every day if you reject the Lord. But there's the rejection of the cornerstone. Jesus was rejected from the very beginning. Jesus was rejected. There was no room for him in the end. Isn't that amazing? As he was a small child, he was, uh, they tried to kill him. And Herod had the decree that all the babies uh, that would be killed in that whole region, he was rejected from the beginning. Herod tried to kill him. The Pharisees tried to silence him. The crowd cried, crucify him. And not only did they cry, crucify him, they said, we'll take a criminal, Barabbas. Give us Barabbas, but we definitely don't want Jesus. He was rejected. They rejected the Messiah. They rejected their Redeemer. They crucified Christ. They despised their deliverer. They spat upon the Savior. They mocked their maker. They rejected the cornerstone. And we look at that and we say, how sad and how tragic. Well, I want to tell you, I've known some Christians that they got saved and they wanted Jesus so that they could go to heaven. And by the way, when you get Jesus and when you get eternal life, it's yours forever. There's nothing you can do to lose it. There's nothing you can do to forfeit it. It is everlasting life. It is eternal life. But friend, there's so much more that Jesus offers than just a home beyond the blue. Jesus offers a life that you and I can have down here that we can have happiness and we can have success if we will make him the chief cornerstone, if we will build our lives upon him. I see number one, the rejection of the cornerstone, verse 22. He was the stone that the builders rejected. But secondly, I see in this passage, the redemption on the cross. You say, well, what are you talking about the redemption of the cross? That's verse 23. This is the Lord's doing. Well, what was the Lord's doing? It was the Lord's doing. It was God's plan. It was God's idea that Jesus would be rejected and that Jesus would be crucified and that he would die on a cross so that you and I could be saved, so that we could be redeemed. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 that Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. Jesus came unto his own people as their Messiah. He did the miracles. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus fed the hungry. Jesus, uh, everywhere he went, he did good works. And they still wanted nothing to do with him. They rejected him. But the reason that Jesus was rejected was because it was a part of God's plan. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. You see... In the times of, uh, of, of Christ, they crucified the worst of the worst. This was not just something that they did to every person who they didn't like or just to every person who was punished. This was the extreme. These were the people they not only wanted to eliminate, but they wanted to make an example. 
And they wanted everybody to see, if you do this, this is what's going to happen to you. But that was a part of God's plan. Only God could orchestrate something so wonderful. Isaiah 53, we read it. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Only God could plan something so wonderful. Only God could take something that is rejected and make it the most important piece. Can you imagine on a, a, a work, a construction site, can you imagine someone throwing away the most important piece or throwing away the most important part of the whole building? But in essence, that's what they did with Jesus. They rejected the chief cornerstone. But verse 23, this is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Verse number 24, this is the day which the Lord hath made we will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, I like to use this verse, and I think it's a good application. We often talk about Sunday. This is the day that the Lord has made. And Sunday, for the New Testament Christian, Sunday is the Lord's day. Uh, the Old Testament, it was on Saturday. It was the seventh day. It was the day of rest. It was the Sabbath. But Jesus rose again on Sunday. And on the first day of the week, they gathered to worship and they gathered to celebrate the resurrection. And definitely Sunday is the Lord's day. Some people could look at this verse and I think it'd be a good application and say, maybe something wonderful. I think about the day that my wife and I got married. That was a wonderful, wonderful day for me, I'm not sure it was how wonderful it was for her, but it was a wonderful day for me. Uh, love is blind. Aren't you glad for that? Hallelujah. Maybe it's a wedding day, or maybe it's a graduation day, or maybe it's a, a day of, uh, of achievement. You say, boy, this day is a wonderful day, and boy, God did this, and God blessed, and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I think that's a good application. Some people have said that this is talking about, and I think it's probably true, this is actually talking about the day that redemption's plan was completed, the day that the chief cornerstone was rejected and God used that and God formed a plan for us to be saved, and this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I think it's also true that we could say this about every day. I think it's true that we could say it about today, October 6th. This is the day that the Lord has made. I think we could say it about tomorrow, Monday. You say, oh, I hate Mondays. Well, maybe you don't like Mondays, but guess what? The Lord made it. And there's something in Monday that you can rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, you say, but all my coworkers call in sick and I've got more work. Well, at least you don't have to put up with your coworkers. I mean, there's something you can rejoice about. You say, uh, my coworkers don't call in sick. I call in sick. Well, good. Maybe you can get a day of rest or something. Whatever it is. But there's always something you can rejoice about. There's always something that the child of God can rejoice and be glad because this is the day that the Lord has made. I see in this passage rejoicing in the Lord's doing. Verse 23. In the Lord's plan, in the Lord's work, in the Lord's will. It is marvelous. It is wonderful the Lord's doing. I see the Lord's day. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Verse number 14. The Lord is my strength and song and he has become my salvation. That word salvation is literally the word for victory or the word for deliverance. I want to tell you, this is the Lord's doing, this is the Lord's day, and this is the Lord's deliverance. You see, anything good that happens in your life, 
and anything good that happens in my life, it's not because of you and it's not because of me. It's all because of him. If we have victory, it's going to be victory in Jesus. If we have victory, it's going to be because of him and because of his work that he has done in our life. The rejoicing in Christ. You say, Pastor, I don't know how I can rejoice because my life is not victorious. I don't know how I can rejoice in this day or how I can rejoice in tomorrow or how I can rejoice in next week because my heart has been crushed. Maybe you're dealing with a, a physical condition or maybe it's emotional or maybe it's a relationship or maybe it's financial or maybe it's a job and you say, Pastor, that's good for everybody else. That's wonderful that everybody else can say amen and everybody else can sing and everybody else can smile and everybody else can rejoice and be glad, but I can't. My life is broken. My heart is broken. My life is shattered. My life is messed up. Hang on. I'm glad to tell you that God uses broken things. Did you catch it when Brother Dan was reading in 1 Corinthians 11? I've seen it so many times, but this week it jumped out at me. Jesus said, this is my body, which is what? It was broken for you. And had his body not been broken, we would have never had salvation. Had his blood not been poured out. Now, we don't like broken things. If it's broken, that requires more time to try to fix it or else you throw it away, right? If it's broken, you, you deal with it, get rid of it, whatever. My wife and I this week, we were going through some things and uh, there were some things that we just, we didn't need that were good, but we gave away. There were some things that were broken. We don't save those things. If you can't fix it, you got to get rid of it. Because how many of you know it doesn't take long when you have children for stuff to accumulate? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me ask this question. Let me, let me rephrase it. Is there anybody in this room who you have so much room and so much storage that you don't know what to do with all the room? Okay. Is there anybody who the opposite is true? You've got more stuff than you've got room. Anybody like that? Okay. So when it's broken, we get rid of it, right? When it's broken, it's, it's no good to us. When it's broken, we despise it, we reject it, we remove it, we don't want it. Oh, but that's not the way God works. When something is broken, God says, I'll take it. I'll use it. I'll make something beautiful out of the broken. You say, oh, well, that's just last resort, right? Oh, no, no, no. God specializes in using things that are broken. God specializes in using things that seem wasted. Uh, Jesus' body was broken. His blood was spilled. You don't spill something and say, oh, good, I was hoping I could spill it. Now I'll just gather it all up. <laughs> when it's spilled, it's, it's no good. But the blood of Jesus that was spilled, that blood of Jesus was still powerful and that blood of Jesus was still able to save us and cleanse us and give us eternal life. And although the body was broken and although his blood was spilled, that's what God chose to use. And that's why we can say, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You see, God chooses the least likely. God chose a man by the name of Gideon. And when the angel appeared to Gideon, Gideon said, time out, you got the wrong guy. 
Try again. It's not me. He said, I am the least in my father's house and, and our tribe is the least of the tribes of Israel. You can't seriously think that God would use me. Well, guess who God used? He used Gideon. It came time that King Saul was selected to be the king of Israel and he was the choice of the people. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was the strongest, probably the best looking, probably the, the, the most likely to succeed in, in Israel and succeed in leadership and succeed in battle. And they chose Saul. Well, Saul, in his pride, didn't listen to God. And so God had to choose somebody who he could use. And the person that God chose was a young man by the name of David. Now, you think you've got it bad. David was the youngest. And normally, normally the youngest gets away with everything. Normally, the youngest gets so spoiled, it's not even funny. Uh oh Maybe I am going to cut out right after the service for a different reason. How many of you are the youngest in the family? Whoa, I just want to know uh, who I'm dealing with. Okay. But David was the youngest, and his own father did not even call him into the meeting. Je uh, Jesse said, Samuel's coming, boys. He said, come on, get together. David was out in the field. Don't worry about him. We all know it ain't going to be David. Jesse presented his sons before Samuel, and he presented his sons, and his sons, they looked like they would be the next king. God told Samuel, he said, I've not chosen him. And I've not chosen him. And I've not chosen him. And finally, after all seven of those boys uh, went through, and Samuel said to Jesse, he said, you got any more sons? And well, I got one more out watching the sheep, almost as an afterthought. Well, guess what? That was the one that God wanted. That was the one that God chose. He wasn't the one that you would have chosen. He wasn't the one I would have chosen, but God uses the weak things. God uses the lowly things. God uses the broken things. God uses those who have been shattered, and God uses those who think there's no hope, and God takes the broken pieces, and God puts them together for His honor and for His glory. The greatest example of that, I think, is found in this passage in the story of Jesus whose body was broken and whose blood was shed and the price was paid and the atonement was made for your sin and for mine so we could have eternal life. The stone that the builders refused, the stone that the builders rejected is the one that became the head and the chief cornerstone. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.